0: Thanks, uh, Pastor Cindy. I just got to you something happened to me this week that just absolutely made my day. It just was incredible. Um, when I travel and I come over on Thursdays on the ferry, Mondays through Thursdays um, I travel free because I'm a B.C. senior. So Thursdays I don't pay. And so I usually just sort of roll up to the desk and just say, um, Senior, I'm going to Swaston. They give me a free ticket to get on the ferry. Not my car, just me. And this Thursday, the lady at the ticket booth said to me, I need to see your card for that. You don't Luke 65. Have you any idea what that did for me? It just, it was incredible. That was almost a spiritual experience. It really was. I'll tell my wife and she'll, won't believe that. But never mind, anyway in a previous church we were in a good number of years ago in Alberta uh, there was a young man who loved to go rock climbing in the uh, in Bath National Park in the winter sorry in the summer he went rock climbing and in the winter he went ice fall climbing that's when places like Pachaca Falls froze and he had an ice hammer in each hand an ice axe and he with no rope he just kind of climbed his way up Um, waterfalls that were frozen anyway one day for the spring summer climbing season, they said, uh, "Pastor Tom, uh, I want to. Would you like to come along with me one Saturday?" I looked at him, and he said, "You'll be perfectly safe because uh, out of his pocket he brought what's called a pecan and he had a whole collection of, of pitons. Pitons, I learned, is a, they don't use them as much now, I'm told, as a metal wedge that you hammered into a crack on a rock face, like that. And you could weave a rope through it and hang on. So why don't you come with me one Saturday, and I'll give you some equipment, and we can hang on like that. I think I probably said I had something else to do that Saturday. What I was probably thinking was, Are you nuts? Do we have another slide too? There you go. Anybody into that kind of stuff? Anybody here into climbing like that? No. Okay. Hmm? (laughs) They want to tell their (laughs) parents. There's a way to go. Anyway, there's no way in the world I'll do anything like that. I'm just. But this this picture stayed with me this idea of what's called a piton. Um, and, it, you know, I'm looking for lessons that relate, that life light into the scriptures. And it's kind of like parables that Jesus told. And I, I thought about that. And he said, you know, when, when you hammer pecans in and you rope yourself in, you really can climb and hang on like that with a sense of confidence. And I thought, you know, a lot of people do not have that sense of confidence just to live. And they're on the ground. In fact, sometimes they're seem to be on quicksand. And as I thought about it, assurance and confidence are like truths that, like teach on us. And God hammers for us into the rock face of life, giving us places to tie a rope and really to hang on. And that's why in this little letter, which we call 1 John, 105 verses, and in one form or another, John says that we know. Something like 40 times. How many times do you use that word? And he wants his readers and people then and now like us to know that there's points of certainty that we can have in our lives in this age of uncertainty. We do not need to live with doubt. We do not need to live with uncertainty. But in fact, we can live and we can climb as Christians and we can do that with assurance. And he tells us how to do that. And this week's study, I hope for you, for me, will really drive home the kinds of key times that God hammers into the rock face of life. Um, and we, you know, the the we will not slip, we will not fall into the abyss. But we will we can hold on and we'll not fly. So thanks, we'll finish with that one now, okay? I don't need to see that anymore. That kind of scares me or that better. So I'm gonna ask you to turn to first John um chapter three, it is. And verse 11. And then if you can turn to that in however way you follow me, um, I'm going to ask you to stand in a moment because um, I think sometimes when we stand to read God's word, then we'll just pray that God will sink it into our hearts. First John chapter 3, verse 11. And I'm just going to read it because you've got different translations, but please follow along as you do that. Will you stand with me, please? And I want to emphasize some things as we go. Verse 11. This is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one murdered his brother why did he murder him? because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous don't be surprised my brothers the world hates you and then here it begins we know that we pass from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters by the way anyone who does not live remains in death anyone who hates his brother is a murderer you know that no murderer has eternal life in him and this is how we know what love is Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our life for our brothers if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need has no pity on him how can the love of God be in him dear children let us not love with words or tongues, but in actions and truth this is how we know that we belong to the truth. And how we set our hearts at rest in His presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For our God is greater than hearts, and He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we obey His commands and do what pleases Him. And this is His command. To believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ and to love one another as He commanded us. Those who obey His commands live in Him, and He in them. And this is how we know that He lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. So Father, this morning, may You tighten our grip on these things so we can live with confidence. May You help us in our life to hammer what we've called pecans into the rock face of life so we can work ourselves to them and know that we can climb with confidence. And Father, this morning, somebody is in any kind of doubt about that. and you really tighten their grip on who they are in you and what they hold on to. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So this little phrase we know, I described them for you this morning like pecans, these metal wedges that get hammered into the rock face of life five times. You find them in this passage. And they fall, if you put them together, all five, you fall into three main groups in time sequences. Number one, it tells us that there is assurance or conviction we have today because of what lies in the past. And then it says there's assurance and conviction of how we can live in the present. And then we can have assurance and confidence that we can have for the future. So John packages them so that we can look to the past, the present, and the future. And we can live with confidence and not be afraid. So let's unpack that this morning for about 30 minutes. to us that we can live with assurance, conviction today, because of what God done, has done in the past. And to understand that God has hammered two pitons in the rock days of history. He says in verse 16, This is how we know, and by the way, that is a past tense. That's where we get these things from. This is how we know, but love it, Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, and we are to lay down our life for our brothers and sisters. First of all, the first pecan, as I've called it, is that we can have assurance, our confidence, as we look back on the historical life and death of Jesus Christ. God has hammered His life into the rock face of history all kinds of leaders and emperors and whatever come go. and go as from 2,000 years ago the name of Jesus Christ still echoes the heart of the Christian faith is a mystery which steps out from behind the curtain of inscrutability and invisibility and says the word became flesh and lived among us for a while we have seen his glory the glory of the one and all. It came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John says to us, this is how we know what love is. Because Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And so mystery puts on humanity. The invisible becomes visible and evident. Spirituality, what is vague and mysterious to many, becomes physical. When Jesus Christ came to earth and died, God set an anchor in history. And every time you feel you're lost and drifting, you can go back to that place, back to that event. You can return to that point in Bethlehem. And you can tie your life to that truth. That's why, as we believe, Jesus Christ became part of history. Not some big Christ consciousness. He came in flesh and in blood. The second thing... The second piton that God hammered in for us, He gives us the gift of the Spirit. It says, verse 24, Those who obey His commands live in Him and He in them. And this is how we know that He lives in us. We know by the Spirit He gives us. I've taught this before, that every Christian is given the gift of the seal of the Spirit. The primary work of the Spirit is to, is to continue in our lives the work in the ministry of Jesus. His work in our lives is to be one of changing and fashioning, shaping, transforming us to be like Christ in heart and in character. That's why it's simply called fruit. Galatians describes it the, describe the verse you know. And the fruit of the Spirit is... I mean, it's your turn. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control. all of these things really perfectly describe Jesus. And bit by bit, they have to be woven slowly into our lives. The Christian life is one of submission to the power of the Spirit. And how much stronger and firmer our lives might be if we um, take hold of these two truths driven into the rock face of history and rope ourselves to the truth that Christ has come to declare the love of God. And we can firm ourselves in the life of the Holy Spirit, and from those two anchors, we can start to climb, climb as Christians. Second thing, we will receive assurance today because we act in love towards someone in need. Do you believe the love of God is in you? Do you believe you have eternal life? Not in the future. But John says, we have eternal life starting right now. How would you know that? Without being arrogant or presumptuous, John says, we can know that with authority. Again, if you've got your Bible open, verse 16, chapter 3. This is how we know what love is Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we have to lay down our life for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions, going will say, his brother. Slash our sister and me, has no pity on them how can the love of God be in him dear children let us not love with words or tongue in other words just not saying I care about you but in actions and in truth this is how we know that we belong to the truth and we set our hearts at rest in other words we live without panic <laughs> without fear but with a deep and quiet confidence in his presence it's because we believe that the love of God is planted deep in our heart, deep in our soul. And we can measure that as we express it and live it out. Some people will say, you can never know that God loves you. You can't know these of kinds of things. It's just an experience. John says, not knowing. You can know with certainty. God has defined His love. His profile when Jesus came to the world. God gave gave his love shape when Christ became a human being. God gave his love substance when Christ died on the cross. There's nothing vague or mystical about the love of God. It is flesh and blood. So we can have, he says, the love of God implanted in us. We can have the gift of eternal life right now. How can we know that? John says it's a very simple test. It's done by turning what is spiritual into what is physical. It's allowing the internal to contour and shape the external. And in return, the external actions of our love that we see reflect and mirror back, echo back, and give us the assurance and confidence we need of eternal life. We'll come back to that thought in a minute. Notice verse 16. You notice he says he uses a plural. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And then in verse 17, you notice he changes it to singular. To singular. If anyone sees his brother or sister in need. Now, why does he do that? I think it's because there's the kind of person who says, you know, oh, I just love everybody. I just love everybody. But there's specific people I can't stand. You see, it's easy to generalize. But love only gets real and takes effect when it gets specific and personal. None of us have the capacity to meet the the needs of large, large parts of people. But we can ask God to help us love one person. Mother Teresa was often asked how she could care for the dying and all of the people dying in Calcutta. And her answer was, she said, it's one life at a time. Now, understand what John is saying. We hold in our hands, hearts, the love of God. We have the evidence that Jesus lived and died. We hold in our hands the stuff of life. And when we see that person who is in need, and we translate that into action, God says, Yes. And he hammers another piton until the rock stays just a little higher than where we are and invites us to climb up. When we, when we share his love in a sure and certain kind of a way, God echoes back and gives us a sense of confidence to that. If you're living in any kind of doubt this morning, I ask you to really listen to what we're saying. Whenever we do a deed of love, an act of love, love is not silence. Love is not passive. Love rewards us with a gift of assurance. Love whispers on the ear, you've done a good thing, you've done a right thing, and I have a gift for you. Hold out your hand, and when we hold out our hand in our heart, love places in our hearts the gift of assurance. If you in any doubt about that, start to do it. The reward for living like a Christian is the reward of what's called integrity. Now, understand, please, integrity is a lot more than honesty. What, um, what's an integer? What's an integer? A whole number, thank you. I'm a teacher over here, okay? An or integrity is much more than honesty. An integer in our lives is the reality that when the internal aspects of our heart and spirit expresses themselves authentically in our outer lives, they match. And then there is integrity, which is much more, again, than honesty. Integrity means that there is coherence or agreement between the spiritual, the physical, between the inner and the outer. As we might simply say, we walk the talk. That's integrity. Our lives then are like integers, whole numbers. There is agreement between the love of God we sing, which we did this morning, and the love of God we put into practice. And when we live that, when we say, in my heart I have the love of God spirit of Christ, and when we live that out in an authentic way in our outer lives, our outer lives mirror and reflect back into our inner lives a spirit and a sense of confidence. They give us the gift of confidence because we we see outside of us the kind of things that we want to see inside of us, and they're mirrored back and they say, see, we know. We know. People who come to this place of synchronization and harmony within themselves. Live out of a deep place of strength and certainty. The message of their lives sends to people and the replies that they receive resonates back with a deep sense of inner harmony. On the other hand, people whose inner and outer lives do not match up. Live in the turmoil of frustration and defeat and lack of conviction that is not the path of the spirit it is not the path of God very simply if you really want to know with confidence assurance that you are a Christian you know what John says? live like one live like one because the actions outside of your life are to mirror and reflect back into your life Where your heart is. The path of God calls us to bring our inner and our outer lives into harmony. What we believe on the inside flows out into our lives, and what we see on the outside reflects and echoes back to confirm in us, to live with confidence and assurance, what we say we believe. The moment we understand that, the moment we understand that, we've climbed another step in the life of the Spirit. Got that? Got that? Good. There is assurance that one day we can stand before God. That is the future dimension of our assurance and conviction. Back in 228, um, John wrote a bold invitation Now, dear children, continue in Him. So that when he, that is obviously Jesus, appears, we may be, here's this word again, we may be confident and unashamed before him at he's coming. When Jesus appears, we may be confident and unashamed. Two great words. This piton that God hammers in for us is, is a word just beneath the sun it is the one that says we can stand before with boldness at the very end First John chapter 3 you've got your Bible verse 19 and this is how we know now that is a future tense this is how we will know that we belong to the truth whenever our hearts condemn us for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything dear friends if our hearts do not condemn us we have confidence before God but how will anyone anyone Able to stand with confidence and assurance, not with arrogance, but with confidence and assurance before the presence of God. Thinking of this idea in the last little while uh, brought back to me um, a very scary memory from my days in a private school in Glasgow growing up. Every morning um, when we got to what you would call a homeroom, and our teacher came in, and I was in the school that when teachers or masters, as we call them, walked in, you stood, and you stayed standing until you were nodded to or told you could to sit. So every morning we were, um, it was an old boys' school, so boys were all chatting about what they did in the weekend, this, that, and the other. And suddenly the door opened, um, and our teacher, I remembered his name. His name was Mr. Rankin. He put the fear of death in us. He really did. Mr. Rankin walked in. And the minute Mr. Rankin walked in, you stood. And you just stayed standing. Now, you've got to understand this. Um, you have to line up on one side of your desk or the other. You've got to get the picture. If you felt that your homework was all done and correct and no problems, you lined up on the right-hand side of your desk. And you just stood there. If you felt your homework was done, no mistakes, nothing missed, you stood at the right hand side of your desk. Who will betide you if you ever lined up there and it wasn't right? You lined up on the left hand side of your desk. Didn't this sound weird to you? Alfred, would you do anything like that? You do that. Yeah. <laughs> It put the fear of death and me. If, you, if your homework wasn't done, wasn't complete, which actually wasn't a very good idea, you lined up on the left-hand side of your desk. We were like sheep and goats waiting for the slaughter. We really were. Okay. Um, that, by the way, was also the time in schools. So I don't think you're allowed to do this anymore where um, you have got the strap. Can't do that anymore? No, okay. We got... we got the strap. And I was in a class of 45 boys who could get a little rambunctious. And sometimes, when um, he had had enough of us, he lined up all 45 boys around the class and strapped every one of you, six of the best, on your hands. Now, you see, you had to calculate did you want to be at the beginning of the line, or the middle of the line, or towards the end of the line? But not if you got a second wind somewhere in there. That was Mr. Rankin. But on those rare occasions when you really thought you had done everything right and your homework was correct, you got out the ice, stroked all the teeth, you could stand on the right-hand side of your desk waiting for him to come in. And you know what? You could stand there with a sense of confidence. This was not going to be a scary day. That's my little human illustration. And one day, you and I will stand at the desk of God. And our homework's to be done. And what is our homework? John says, it's to believe in Jesus God calls us to believe in the name of Jesus and to love one another. He says, verse 19, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how our hearts are set at rest, our confidence in His presence. None of us are immortal. And all of us one day will stand before God. And we will find out if our hearts are at rest in His presence. One night in the hospital, a long, long time ago, 25 years ago, they almost lost me and I remember a nurse literally climbing on top of me I had a very very bad bad arterial bleed in my leg an artery blew and she ripped all the um, pajama stuff off me and she looked down at me and she said this is going to hurt and I said to her I said are you going to lose me? She said, No, that's too much paperwork. (laughs) So okay, I can go it up. But it hurt. All of us one day will stand before God. And perhaps the final piton for us that he hammers into the rock face of life is simply this that we're almost at the top and we have only one step to go to see a view that we've never imagined. These are the steps of assurance in our life. You get that? More and more the fast pace of life is leaving people busy and wondering why are we here? If someone has said, you know what? You can get all A's and still clunk life. So in Kierkegaard. The one thing I need to understand is is to understand myself, to see what God really wants me to do, to find an idea for which I'm willing to live and die. And without finding that in life for which you're willing to die for, leaves us wondering, very frankly, why are we here? And several factors make this search for significance more urgent than ever before in the Western world in our human history. Number one, the search for the purpose of life is the deepest issue of experience and need as human beings. Secondly, modern Western civilization is the very first to have no agreed-on answer as to the purpose of life and why we are here. We stand, particularly in cities like Vancouver and Victoria, with too much to live with and far too little to live for. In the midst of our material prosperity, we have spiritual poverty. As David Perot says about people, they live lives of quiet desperation. But in the midst of a fog of it, can there be a single individual, a group of people, to find the light to move ahead? And in the midst of quicksand, to know how we can stand and live and climb with assurance and confidence. And they found a point of faith for which we can live in the world. When a group of people find that Peter and the God is hammered into history, giving them a place to rip their lives so that they can hang on. And more than hang on, but they can climb higher and higher. And each time someone finds the rope of faith as they climb. And they share that flow with other climbers and they echo it to one another, to one another. And we say in our gatherings like this, We know, we know, we know, and we encourage each other on. This week I don't know where you are. But you may have to tighten your grip on the rope and hang on. God is giving Son and a Spirit. If in some way you're feeling shaky and seeking assurance of the love of God, then see someone who is in need a brother and sister. Share the love of God in your heart, and your actions will reflect back to you and speak into your life. And love will whisper in your, ear, in your ear. This is how you know. This is how you know. And assure you, this is a time, men and women and young people, for Christians to be able to stand and declare, not with arrogance, but with humility. We know. We know. We know. the Florence and the King come back, it's a day for God's people to live with certainty in an uncertain time. So let me invite you to stand. We go back to an, an old hymn, right? An old hymn. it been around a long time. And we sing it this morning to affirm our lives and our faith. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine.